Hey, this is Heather from the Word Alive media team. This week we're talking about different leadership roles in the church. There are elders, the idea people, and deacons, the hands-on workers. Kent really encourages us to take our next step to get equipped for our roles. Enjoy this message. We started talking about this stuff last week. We, uh, we're, we started a series called The Big Picture. I've got some help. Dean and Chris have been gracious, and of course, uh, the carpentry side of things, and some artists have been helping helping us, and painters. And uh, we started talking about this last week about the big picture along these lines: when church works, the church works. In other words, when it's functioning right, good things happen. I believe my personal conviction is the local church is the hope of the world. I believe we're supposed to be a city set on a hill. I believe the local church, when it functions properly, is, is the most powerful organism in the earth, ordained by Jesus himself, who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Ordained by Jesus himself to be the light in the earth, the salt of the earth, to preach the message of the kingdom of God, of God's grace and God's goodness, not only so people can be transformed in this, this life, but prepared for the world to come. The kingdom that's coming to the earth. And so we're on a journey and we started last week and I appreciate you being here to track with us. And we talked about number one, attend one, serve one. And uh, if you were here, uh, you remember we brought out some chairs to talk about attending church. We brought out a uh, church chair and a home chair and an office chair. And we realized you spend about 40 hours a week in an office chair and probably a hundred or so hours a week at home. And then one hour a week in a church chair. But we realize that that one hour in that church chair is so powerful, we don't want to miss it because it so greatly impacts how we live in these other two chairs. And so I promise you, even today, you will be changed. I had a couple that they're, they're very busy and they own their own business and they have to work a lot of weekends. But they were here today, this morning, worshiping with us. And they said, Kent, we love church. We watch online. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like being here. Because something happens when we come together in worship. But we also realized and understood that not only are, is attending important, but as you see people getting up out of chairs and then starting to move and even do soar and do different things, that serving is important. We realize that Jesus called us to serve. And the, the, whole, the whole concept of Christianity is having a serving spirit, doing unto others, serving others, making sure others are ministered to. And we realized as you serve the Lord, not only are you a benefit to others, but actually you receive because the Holy Spirit is the helper. And if you start helping, you will be introduced to the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit will begin to move your life and you will begin to grow in your spiritual walk. And so it's, it's just a really exciting thing when we realize by just attending one and serving one, we can have a great impact and we can literally make the church work. This week, we're going to uh, do number two, and, and uh, that didn't sound right. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to maintain my composure. I'm not going there with you. I'm not going to do number two. I'm going to talk about number two. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on my soul. I try, I try, I try. Mm -mm -mm. That's, that's going to be in the archives, you know, years from now. They'll be playing that back to me, you know, at like my birthday or something like that. Thanks, guys. 
Tell Dean and Chris we appreciate you. And they're good guys right there. We had to make these big so we could, can we, so we could uh, see what was going on. It puts me in an awkward position because I don't like to climb on ladders. And you say, were well, you afraid of heights? Uh, yes, a little bit. Uh, but uh, it's more of a scriptural thing. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. And so uh, you're taking your own risk when you get up on the ladder, in my opinion. So attend one, serve one. Two is simply this. Two, leadership roles. Two leadership roles. You say, what are those leadership roles? Our light bulb represents what we call, or the Bible says, our elders. Sorry about my penmanship. Sometimes I write in tongues. <laughs> and deacons. Elders and deacons. It sounds like a big concept, but in actuality, it's a really simple concept. These are two functions in the Bible that are supposed to be functioning in the church when you move into an area of leadership. Now, leadership's a big word as well, and, and so I don't want you to get caught up in leadership. We're actually talking more about empowerment. When you empower people to function, actually not something that you're not called to do, but something that you're actually already called to do. When we empower you, we're not trying to get you to do something you're not already gifted to do. We're just trying to help you find and get a revelation of what you're actually called to do and the gifts that God has already put inside of you. So won't you touch two or three people and just say, there's already something inside of you. Tell them there's already something inside of you. You say, what, are the, what is an elder? What is a deacon? An elder, they're normally about ideas and words. Deacons, or, 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 or you, might, you may want to even say head. Not getting back up on the ladder. Deacons are more about hands, application, And works. You say, what does that look like? Well, when we had a team from Uganda up here that went, or team that went to Uganda, it was very obvious. You had two or three or four people on that team who stood up here and said, I taught uh, Bible college, I led worship, I preached, I shared. These were head idea word people. But then you had another half of the crew that said, we don't, we're not really called to speak, we're not called to preach, but we laid bricks, we did electrical work, we did plumbing work, we actually built a water system so that people there are clearly having clean water now for the rest of their lives because of the works that we did. So you're seeing elders and deacons functioning together. What's the main point here? There's a place for everybody here to find your calling and purpose and serve in the kingdom of God. So touch two or three, four or five more people say, there is a place for you. Tell them, there is a place just for you. And so what we've come to understand is our job as a church, and we're trying to get better at it, is to empower you so that you can walk in your function and do what you were called to do. 
The word empowerment, I looked it up this morning, it means to give official authority or legal power to act on one's behalf, to make someone stronger and more confident, especially in controlling their life and claiming their rights. And so we've realized if we're wanting to do church the way God wants us to do church, we have to be less about blessing and more about equipping. Because we understand we can be a blessing to you here on Sunday morning, but the, but the problem with that is you will keep needing a blessing. But if we equip you and empower you, you'll be able to get your own blessing. Come on, somebody. You'll be able to find your own way in the kingdom of God because you'll find your place as you begin to move with Jesus in the kingdom of God. It's actually tied to this month when you look at maturity. Moving on to a place of maturity. I've got the picture up here of milk and meat. And it's actually found in scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. Here's what it says. I'll read out of the King James. I seldom do, but I do like it when I do. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even by reason of use. Somebody say use. Have exercised their senses so they can discern good and evil. He goes on in verse 1 of chapter 6. So we must try to become more mature and start thinking more about the, more than just the basic things we've been taught about Christ. We shouldn't need to keep talking about why we ought to turn from deeds that bring death and why we ought to have faith in God. So Paul the Apostle is addressing the church and he's saying, look, you're sitting here continually needing milk, but you're not maturing. And so what needs to happen is you need to move on to maturity and to the strong meat of God's word. And you say, well, how do I move forward in maturity? Well, I like to look at it like this. Milk is all about principle. That's the principle of God's word. Meat is about action. You say, how do you know that? Jesus said in the gospel, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. That's the meat of God's word. And so when you begin to move from the teaching to the application of it, you move from principle to action, you begin to mature because it says you mature by reason of use. So what's unfortunate, you got people who love God, who sit under God's word every week, been doing it for 20 years, but never took the next step to be empowered and equipped. And so in reality, they're still only drinking milk as babes and never moving into an action, seeing God mature them in their life. Now, this is really relevant to me right now because we've got a new grandbaby. And, you know, we've had three, now we've got four. And uh, this, this new one is uh, just over a year old, and he lives close to us. So we've had the opportunity to be close to our grandbaby in this season. So what's exciting, we were right there when he was born, and we saw him start drinking milk right away. And, uh, man, he liked that milk. And uh, he began to grow, and of course, you had to keep that milk coming, you know. I mean, you basically just keeping that milk coming at him, uh, and, uh, and he, he finds his way and begins to grow. But all of a sudden, things started changing. And he, he learned this word called bite, bite. <laughs> and he started getting a couple teeth, and, you know, things started looking a little different around there. You know, all of a sudden, milk wasn't doing a job anymore. He, he, he was like, bite, bite. 
bite, bite. And so, you know, then you had to start finding out, you know, he wants to bite something. And so, so next thing you know, he starts moving away from not just milk, but he starts now moving more toward bite, bite. And, and, you know, he started out pretty, pretty low grade with some veggies and fruits and some organic stuff. And next thing you know, he's full on chicken and meat. And, you know, I mean, he's bite, biting. You know what I'm talking about? He got about eight or nine, 10 teeth. He bite, biting right now. And now what's exciting is to see when he started bite, biting, his body started changing. And the next thing you know, he started becoming more alert. Then, then he went from bite, bite to that. And now, now he's getting him a language. He got his own language. I mean, he, 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 he literally can tell me what to do with two or three words. You know what I mean? He can get you moving, get you going, and then, and then he'll get you like a horse if you're not going fast enough. You know, he, like, come on, let's go. And, and, and he knows how to get you moving. He's got, he's got him a language. He's learning him a language. And, and now, you know, all of a sudden, he start, he's walking. You know, he's like only like a year and two months. He is like, I mean, I mean like... You know, but he's, you got to go after him now. And so it's exciting to see as he's getting bite bites, he's just not sitting around anymore and is waiting for somebody. And, and now what's even more exciting, he doesn't even, even like you feeding him. He'll take the spoon right out of your hand and say, no, thank you. I think I'll feed myself. Thank you very much. But see, that's the way it's supposed to be spiritually. Yes, it's okay to be on milk for part of the journey. And it's okay to be at that place of learning the principles of God. But there's a place that God calls us to step into our function and our role, get you a spiritual bite bite and start moving on towards your, get you a language, get you a spiritual language, get you a spiritual walk, get you a spiritual vision and a spiritual destiny and say, by the way, preacher, if you don't mind, I think I'll just feed myself for a little, come Come on, somebody. Use. Maturity. Jesus said something interesting in Luke, interesting Luke 21. Woe to those who are nursing babes in these days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath on the people. What's the point? There's a prophetic unction on this scripture. Now's not the time to be an immature Christian. Darkness is demanding we move from milk to meat and begin to find our function in the body of Christ. Darkness is demanding it. My phone alerts me every morning with news alerts, and not, there's not, I'm talking seven days a week I'm getting alert. Three shot here, four shot there. These people killed here. These victims here. It's not once a month like it used to be once a week. It's every day darkness is on the rampage, and darkness is trying to overtake our nation, and darkness is trying to take, overtake the nations of the world. But I got some good news. In Isaiah, it says, when you see this kind of darkness, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is going to be seen on me and you. Touch three or four people say, the glory is going to be on you. Tell them, the glory is going to be on you. So now it's time for people like Paul Williams to step up and start praying for people in the parking lot and at work. Not wait until you get to church on Sunday. See, I think there's coming a day you're not going to come here thinking, well, who got saved at church today? You're going to be coming three or four got saved with you and you bring them to church on Sunday. You come into church not to hear a word, you come to church with a word. And we start moving and we start maturing in the things of God because darkness is demanding that we move like this in this season and move from what's just milk 
to meet, which is action, which is taking the next step, finding what you're called and what you're equipped to do. But unfortunately, there's a large portion of the body of Christ, especially in the Western world, that we're still being fed and we're, we're actually being kept as immature believers. And it's not just your fault. It's a, it's a bad theology. It's a bad theology because for so long we've had clergy and laymen, but that's not the way God said build the church in the Bible because layman actually means untrained and unlearned. That's not a biblical term. That's a man-made term. God never called his people to be unlearned and untrained. Actually, God called you to be skilled in the word of righteousness and very powerfully equipped with the gifts of the Spirit to do exactly what you were called to do. So we're saying with a declaration, we're moving in this season away from just blessing people to building and equipping people, and we're going to empower you in this season so you can move forward in your destiny, your purpose. Turn, touch two or three people say, I receive that in Jesus' name. You say, what is that going to look like? Well, I found a great passage of Scripture. It's called the Moses model. And that's how we move on down here. We move from the elders and deacons, which are head and ideas and words people, to hands, application and works people. We start finding out over here what, what is our way in that. How do we start moving from milk to meat? And there what happens. We've got some pretty cool stick men here. This is one man with a load of stuff. But now somebody steps up. And they start lifting the load. And the next thing you know, things begin to change. It's not one guy carrying the load, but it's several people getting involved. And by the time you get over here, there's a lot of different people getting involved. And while they say many hands make the work light, and it looks like they're getting them some revelation or some vision right there. So what does that mean? Well, it's in the Bible. It's the Moses model. I'll hit it with you real quick. It says the next day, Moses took his place to judge the people. People were standing before him all day long from morning to night. When Moses' father-in-law saw that all he was doing for the people, he said, what are you doing here? Why are you doing all this? And all by yourself, letting everybody line up before you from morning to night. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me with questions about God. When something comes up, they come to me. I judge between a man and his neighbor and teach them God's laws and instructions. Moses' father-in-law said, this is no way to go about this. You'll burn out. And the people right along with you. This is way too much for you. You can't do this alone. Now listen to me. Let me tell you how to do this so that God will be with you and be with be God will be in this with you. Be there for the people before God, but let the matters of concern be presented to God. Your job is to teach them the rules and instructions to show them how to live and what to do. And when you need to, and then you need to keep a sharp eye out for competent people, people who fear God, people of integrity, people who are incorruptible, and appoint them as leaders over groups organized by 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They will be responsible for the everyday work of judging among the people. They will bring the hard cases to you, but in the routine cases, they'll be the judges. They will share your load. And that will make it easier for you. If you handle the work this way, you will have the strength to carry out whatever God commands you. And the people in their sittings will also flourish with you. What's that talking about? Well, I don't think it takes many of us long to realize you can read the headlines and you can see pastors' lives who crash and burn. They fall into immorality, sin, all these things. And what do we normally do? We just sit back and judge them. How could they do that? How, well, I can tell you how they do it. They get burnt out. 
and they take on the full responsibility instead of sharing the load. And sometimes it comes because they think they're being faithful. Sometimes it comes because we're prideful. There's many things that cause us to function that way as leaders that I could discuss with you. But the main thing is when the leader tries to do it on his own and doesn't empower people to help him carry the load, he and the people are headed for burnout. And when that happens, it's tragic. 1,500 pastors are leaving the ministry every month. Last statistic I read. 1,500 a month are leaving the ministry saying they're burnout, their marriage is failing, they've fallen into sin, or they just can't do it anymore. They can't handle the stress and the pressure of leading the body that they've been called to. So more actually are leaving the ministry than are entering the ministry in the season that we live in right now. My point is, I believe it's simply because we've not had the revelation of understanding of how we ought to do it. And I honestly have fallen into a bit of it myself where, you know, I think working 78 hours a week is being faithful to God. And I think that, you know, my thing is, well, you're going to die one day and go to heaven anyway. You might as well, you know, be ablaze and, and burn all the way out. But, you know, that's just not true. That's prideful. That's arrogance. That's uh, irresponsible. And it's not good. So I just publicly repent for all that that I've lived in to say, I need you to help me carry the load so we can all get to where God wants to go and where we're going to move to go together to see him function in Jesus' name. <laughs> my biggest amen is my wife, so there you go. Oh, you, you got me off track now, babe. Let me gather myself together. <laughs> I feel like I need to draw something. Help me, help! But it's time for us, not just as the local church, as the body of Christ. Because it's a call God's bringing to the body of Christ. The church is not going to look like it does now in the future. Jesus is not coming back for a weak, beaten down uh, infant church. He's coming back for a strong, matured, overcoming, believing, powerful church. It says the whole earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. To begin to step up into our giftings and our callings and our rights and privileges as kingdom citizens and function in the purposes of God. It ha it's happening around the world. I promise you, these girls can testify from Russia. If you're in a church in Russia and there's a thousand people on Sunday morning and they call for a 6 a.m. prayer on Monday morning, there's a thousand people there on Monday morning. That's just the way it is. It's not a Sunday morning crowd and a committed crowd. Everybody's committed. Why? Necessity. They have to have each other. They're getting put in jail for preaching. They're getting persecuted every day. They realize if they don't pray, it's life or death. And we don't think it's coming to America, you see, but it's actually already here. And it's time that we step up and we begin to move in this biblical model 
sharing the load through giftedness, through commitment, through sincerity of heart and love for one another in the body of Christ, leave selfishness. Selfish is just immature, isn't it? When we only think about ourselves all the time, that's just, that's just immature, right? I mean, back to our grandbaby, you know, like, it's the same thing. He's, he's growing, but he's still immature, right? I mean, he still thinks, ah! You know, when he goes, ah, four people move. You know what I mean? Well, he's cute at one and, a, at one and two months going, ah, and everybody moves. At 18, that ain't cute. He's cute when he does a big poopy now. It ain't cute when you're doing big poopies at 18 and somebody's having to. God's calls to step up, mature, move on with him, move on to maturity and walk in our calling and our purpose. What happens? Down here, you see a lot of activity from people cleaning to painting to preaching to playing instruments to caring for children. There's only a thousand things around here that need to get done every week. This is when you see the body of Christ in action and the power of the Holy Spirit moving and exponential growth occurring. This is happening in Acts chapter 6. They got into a place just kind of like we are. They had a lot of people coming. They had a lot of people attending. They had a lot of needs to be met. And they were trying to do it all. The apostles were. And all of a sudden they came to the conclusion. They felt from the Holy Spirit that says something like this in Acts chapter 6 verse 3. It says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you good men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who may you can appoint over a lot of this business and give yourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And it says, When they did this, the saying pleased the whole multitude and the word of God spread and the number of disciples were multiplied when these deacons and these elders started flowing together finding their function together exponential kingdom momentum came to that place and it transformed that region and the world around it so we realize that our call for Word Alive this season is not just to bless people but to empower people so God can use you you see the Holy Spirit here, the dove we've drawn. What does that represent to us? Well, we know Jesus did it this way, right? Jesus started with 12. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' whole model for us, even though he preached to thousands, he preached to multitudes, we know he fed 5,000 on one occasion, but he focused on 12 because he knew empowering people was more important than blessing people. Amen. And he was patient in it. And you see how he invested so much time with 12, why he knew if he empowered 12, something would happen. And you know how it grew. It grew under Jesus' ministry to where it says, when Jesus ascended, 500 people saw him ascend, and he said, go to Jerusalem, and I will empower you. But we know out of 500, only 120 made it to Jerusalem. What does that tell me? Everybody don't want to be empowered. A lot of people want to celebrate with you, but not everybody wants to sacrifice with you. And that's okay. But we need to focus in this season not on those who want to celebrate with us, but those who want to sacrifice with us because God's wanting to empower us so that we can move in kingdom ministry like never before.
And so what happened? When you got 120 committed to get empowered, it says the Spirit of God showed up and fell on them like fire and like, like, like t- and, and, and that speaking in tongue thing and, and that Holy Ghost explosion. And what happened? These 120 got empowered by the Holy Ghost. And you know what it says? 3,000 were baptized, not only just saved, saved and baptized in one day. Can you imagine what kind of chaos would happen at Coldwater at Word Alive if 3,000 people got saved and baptized next Sunday? You see, I'm convinced if you'll look around, we got a great size church. People have already said it's a miracle that this many people come to church in Coldwater. They say it's a miracle. I'm like, it's not a miracle. This ain't the harvest. Not the harvest I saw. This is the harvesters for the harvest. So let's go ahead and be, be, be assured. This ain't the harvest. Not the one I saw. This is the harvesters for the harvest. Because the Bible actually says they got to rolling to 3,000. They got to rolling. By the time they get to Acts 6, and they got this part right, like we're working on right now, it said all of a sudden it went to somewhere near 100,000 followers of Christ in this area. You say 100,000. That's not even possible. I've seen it. I've been to Seoul, Korea three different occasions to the full gospel, Yoido Full Gospel Church, and there's a million members. I went to their House of Light, their group leaders meeting. It was in a soccer stadium. 100,000 leaders. 10,000 of them, seven days a week, 365 days a year, go to Prayer Mountain and pray so that North Korea can't bomb anybody. Let me put some people at peace. Don't, don't worry anymore about North Korea. Because there's a church in Seoul, Korea that got a hold of some things from God and they've locked them down over there. I'm talking about reality. I'm talking about seven days a week, 365 days a year, 10,000 praying Koreans from this church that got a hold of this stuff I'm talking about today that realize we can't, may not can do anything but pray, but we will do that and we will lock down a demonic force that's trying to destroy the world through our prayers. I don't know about you, but I'm saying, God, raise up an army in Coldwater, Alabama that will do something significant for the history of the world and change the world from Coldwater, Alabama. Woo! You might as well all stand up with me. If you ain't cheering with me, cheer for me. Come on, somebody. You say, well, Kent, you're just 
radical. It's radical. Yeah. But I mean, you knew that. I, I, and, I, and, I, and you're radical. If you weren't, you wouldn't be here because I asked the Lord, send me radical people. You, you just maybe not got, got, you ain't got the radical out yet, but it's in there. I said, Lord, make us so radical, we either just compel people to be just drawn right in or pushed right away. And we've done good at both. I understand that. But what strikes my heart every time is I'm asking you to take a next step today. I know it's not comfortable. I know that. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy just to be a part of a church like this and, and then somebody come on and say, hey, you know, step on out and step on in. I've done it. I used to go to, I first started attending a church. There were 7,000 people in it. And you, you kind of had to find your way in that church. But I wanted a bite bite. <laughs> that milk wasn't satisfying my soul. I couldn't imagine sitting after what Jesus had done for me and not doing something for him. I couldn't, ima I couldn't imagine living a life like that. I just couldn't imagine it. My first job, I'll never forget. Because, I, 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 see, you don't have to. I'm not saying step into your ultimate calling. I'm just saying take a next step. And as you do, you'll start finding out things. I knew one thing. I ain't good at dishes. I found that out pretty quick. That was my first job. I said, I want to do something. What can I do? They said, you can help with the dishes at the after the pastor's luncheon. And, and another thing I learned, you don't have to be sanctified to start. I mean, you still smoke a cigarette if you need to. You know, come on, somebody. Joyce Myers was smoking a cigarette. Short shorts teaching the Bible in her house when the Lord started using her. You know, that, you know what they say in this city, don't they, about us? They say the Catholics go to church and they do this. They say the Greek Orthodox does this. They say we're alive and do this. <laughs> but that's all right. We're growing. We're moving. You don't have to be sanctified. I remember that first time I was washing the dishes. Lady in there, she's about 73. I was about 27. I was sending her the dishes. She says, tell that young man, he's getting this, this, he ain't making those plates clean enough. He's dirty in my dishwater. I'm like, tell her to stick that plate, you know. You weren't even the dishwasher. You were the food scraper. I was the food scraper, yeah. But you know what I've learned? I'm just as happy scraping food as preaching the word because I know every part works together to fulfill its purposes. But it boils down to this for me. It's a buddy of mine. God was dealing with him about using him. And that's where we're at because it's, it's reason of use. Maybe I'll write that just because I want to write one more word. If you don't start using things here in your life, you'll never find out what you got. I was praying. I was walking, praying recently, not recently, a few years ago. I said, Lord, 
was some, this, these people, I said, Lord, they're using me. They are just using me. The Lord said, I know. And I thought he's like, you're going to get them. I said, Lord, I said, Lord he, they're using me. He says, I know. And I was like, you're going to get them, ain't you, Lord? The Lord said, no. He said, I'm answering prayer. I said, what do you mean? He said, you prayed, Lord, use me. He said, that's what it feels like when I'm using you. I let people use you. I let them use you. That's what it feels like to get used. He said, if I'm giving you everything they're using, the strength, the money, the resources, why in the world would you complain about getting used if I'm providing everything they're giving you? And I just don't hear that prayer much anymore. I hear people say, Lord, bless me. I hear people, Lord, help me. Lord, heal me. Lord, provide for me. But we need some people to say, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. I don't have a lot, but whatever I have, use me. It's like Paul. Lord, these are use these hands. Use these thoughts. Use my talents and my gifts. There's a place for everybody. But I know it's not comfortable. I know it's a step of faith. Because I'm going to ask you today to leave this meeting and either take a step into Freedom Track, which is a four-week class where we can empower you and equip you so you can find out how church works here at Word Alive in depth and find your purpose and calling. You're going to meet some great people and you're going to get some great revelation and information and you're going to find an empowerment by the Holy Spirit in those four weeks. If you've already been there, I'm going to ask you to step into the Connection Lounge today to say, I'm ready for God to use me in whatever areas that you need me in. I'll take a step in faith and just start walking with you in it. But I know it's not comfortable. It's like a buddy of mine who recently God was on him saying, I want you to lead worship. And he kept saying, Lord, I'm just not comfortable with that. He works out a lot. And he said one day he came home and he sat down, got in a bathtub to try to get some soreness out of his muscles as he sometimes does. And he said he was praying there and he said, Lord, I'm just not comfortable with what you're asking me to do. He said, the Lord's just like this, said, John, the cross wasn't comfortable either. The cross wasn't comfortable either. See, unfortunately, we've preached a Western gospel, which is the cross is about either getting into heaven or not going to hell. But that's really not the message of the cross. I'm not saying the cross didn't provide that, but that's not the message of the cross. The true message of the cross is, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's the message of the cross, which entails sacrifice, commitment, a resolve to follow Jesus no matter what it costs you and no matter what he asks you to do. 
Somebody asked recently, they said, what is prayer to you? And the guy they asked said, what is prayer to me? Saying yes. Saying yes. And all my heart is, it doesn't matter to me how successful the church is or what the, what matters to me is that Jesus gets his full reward. And that he uses us to fulfill his purposes and plans that he has for his kingdom here. And so we're talking about attending one, serving one, but we're also talking about two roles here. There's a place for everybody. Ideas and head and words or works and hands and action. There's a place. So I'm simply asking you today to take the next step either into Freedom Track so we can empower you and equip you or just to say, I'm ready. I'm ready to volunteer my time to, to make an effort, to make a difference in whatever area you need me in or here's my area of expertise that I'd like to make available to you because I really believe the Lord's ready to do some significant things in this season here at Word Alive. Amen? Amen. So Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your spirit that's here. Thank you for your grace that's upon us. We thank you, Lord, that you're moving us significantly in this season. Lord, I thank you that we're understanding the big picture of how this is working and what you're working in and for us and through us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the grace and the courage to move forward in this season. Lord, we ask you for it. We thank you for it and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv. If you're ready for your next step, you can sign up to attend Freedom Track through our online courses. Have a great week.